Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. We're going to go to Ephesians 2, 2 to 10. It's a little lengthy, <clears throat> but we're going to focus on just a certain verse, but I need to give you the full context of it. And it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I'm going to repeat that. And seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I want you to look at your neighbor just for that sentence alone and say, checkmate in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I just thank you, Father. I thank you because um, you are ever-present. You are always there. You always set the reminders. You always let us know that you are surrounding us. And I thank you for that. I thank you because as we sit here today, oh God, and we marvel at what you've done, that we can go walk out of here victorious in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Javi's going to hang out with me for a little bit. <clears throat> so, I've come to the conclusion that this year, 2020, is one thing that comes up every 10 years on our calendar. And it is the census. I know, a lot of people don't like to fill out the census. It's crazy, it's about 50 pages, it's not really 50 pages, like six pages long. But it, it, it just gives us, it wants to give the government some type of knowledge as to who's living where, what type of people, what type of, uh, uh, you know, what situation they're in, what's their origin, what's their ethnicity, what's their race. And I actually pulled up the 2010 census um, because you guys should be seeing it soon. I think it starts in April. And it asks you all these questions, and, and, and one question that always gets me like stuck is not how many people are in my household, that's pretty easy. Um, you know, what the, what the um, you know, what people look like, that's what gets me stuck. Because it asks you for your race and your ethnicity, and, and I'm like, okay, ethnicity is easy, right? And race is basically the color of your skin. The problem with that is that it lists a whole bunch of things. It lists black, white, um, Asian-American, it gives some Pacific stuff. And the problem is that I don't categorize myself under any of those things. 
I categorize myself as brown. <laughs> you guys can laugh, that's the color of my skin, <laughs> right? So I usually go down to the other box, right? There's a box that says other. And I go there and I write brown. So I know, I know, but it's, it's, it's true to me because I'm like, I'm not any of those things because then it asks you if you're Latino, if you're Puerto Rican, Cuban, I think then you go to the other box and that's another problem of mine. So I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican, you know? And I'm like, I can't just check off yes, I'm Puerto Rican because I'm also in that other box that says other Dominican. It says Dominican, Colombian, right? And I'm like, so I usually, you know, I do it in all in, in jokes, but then when I get, you know, you have to name every person in your household, so we go through down the line. So John, you know, I usually check him off as white, because that's the color that he, <laughs> he kind of corresponds with. But I also, no, you laugh, but I also do it because Jeremiah is white-skinned. And if you was to see my son, you would never think he's mine because he's white with dirty blonde hair. And it's so funny because it made me think about how we are placed into these boxes all our lives. From the moment that you are born, right? Your mother has to fill out a birth certificate. It checks off male or female. It checks off the time. It checks off if you're Hispanic. It checks off if you're black. It checks off, right? All these things are categorized this way for a purpose, right? When I took Jeremiah this past week, it's so funny because I took him this past week because he's been complaining about his stomach. And I went to the, I took him to a gastro and the gastro guy was, um, the doctor was Asian. So I walk in with my child and he, we're talking, he's like, so what's the issue? And I'm telling him, I said, well, he's been complaining that he's having stomach pains and I, I'm not sure. And, you know, so he looks at me, he goes, he didn't even say mom, which is something I caught later on too. He looked at me, he's like, so is he Italian or Latino? And I said, I started laughing because I know exactly why he said it. And I said, he's Latino, doctor. The child is Latino. So, and then I can see that it registering in the, in the doctor's brain. And I said to myself at that moment, this doctor just checked off a box in his brain. Because then he proceeded to tell me how at Jeremiah's age, at nine years, Latino, Asian, and black children usually start to develop an intolerance to lactose. And I said, so I said, and you can see it rumbling in his brain. He's like, oh, that's the reason why. Trying to give me, trying to contain my child to a box. And then I started thinking about other people and how other people also check us off on boxes. Right? Anywhere you walk people, the first thing they do is they see you and immediately they're making some type of um, assumption. Right? And then I started thinking about other people who have lived this too. And then I started comparing how their boxes don't add up with what God's boxes are. And I said to myself, I said, well, Lord, this is all in the ferry yesterday, guys, just so you know. I said, well, Lord, show me. Some, who? Who? Who does not add up? And I thought about Abraham and Sarah. And we all know the story, right? In the beginning in Genesis. And as I was reading the story about Abraham and Sarah, I started realizing some things. We all know Abraham was called to be a great nation. Sarah, right, he made a mistake and he had a baby with somebody else and then he had a baby with his wife and, you know, it's all true, it's all in the Bible. You guys watch telenovelas, you guys have to read the Old Testament. It's crazy, it's true. 
I'm telling you. So I want to go to Genesis 11:29, and I want to show you guys something. And it gives you the lineage of Abraham and tells you, you know, he was the father of this. This is what his siblings look like. And he goes, Abram and Nor got, each got married. So Nor, Nor is his brother. Abraham's wife, Sarai, Nor's wife was Makal, the daughter of his brother, Haran. Haran had two daughters, Makal and Ishka. And then verse 30 says, Sarai was born was barren she had no children and I was like that's really peculiar right I started thinking to myself I said how is that even possible so then I started thinking I said all right if Sarah would have gone into a doctor's office and Abraham would have walked with her and he they would have to fill out a form right we all fill out those medical forms at the doctor's office who has high blood pressure who has diabetes who has asthma which part of your family has this which part of your family has that and I said man that questionnaire would have been really interesting because Sarah would have on her question it would have been like barren check I'm older check I'm a foreigner check in the very next chapter in the very next chapter the Lord it says this so it says Sarah was barren and then it goes on to name some other things about the family and then in the verse it says then the Lord said to Abram leave your country your kindred and your father's household and go to the land I will show you I will make you into a great nation I will bless you I will make your name great so you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you curse those who curse you and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you so Abram departed as the Lord had directed him and Lot went with him Abraham was 75 years old when he left and Abraham took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his possessions and people they had acquired in Haran and set out for the land of Canaan. So let me get this straight. Abraham was 75 years old when God said, I need you to go. I've been on this earth for 38 years. You interrupt my routine one time and I'm losing it. I cannot imagine somebody who's set in their way that's 75 and then just given a direction to go and don't even know where you're going, right? And then, it's funny, because then God says this. He goes, and I'm going to make you a great nation, but wait a minute. The doctor's um, questionnaire I just filled out says that Sarah's barren. So how are we doing that? And then you're telling me to go at 75, so I'm already older, right? We all know that childbearing age, I know it was a little different in the Old Testament, but we know childbearing age, they already were past that. Then they were asked to move to a place that they didn't even know where they were going. And then God, used, and God gives them all these directions and said, hey, you're going to be a great nation. I'm going to bless you. You're going you're gonna to be a father to many. This is what you're going to do. Meanwhile, I'm, 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 I can imagine. I'm like just sitting there looking at the piece of paper saying, wait a minute. That's not, what the, that's not what the doctor said. That's not what these boxes are telling me. My boxes are telling me that I'm not going to have children. My boxes are telling me that I'm too old to do something. My boxes are telling me that I can't. I can't go to somebody else's place and make it my home. I can't do that. And then I was like, I was like, but Abraham went. The Bible said he got up and he left. And then I started to wonder, I said, man, Lord, I said, what if we thought the same way? What if we looked at the boxes that we've checked in life and then measured them up to God's own checklist? Because God's checklist has to look something like this for Abraham, right? He goes, I need somebody to start moving. I need somebody to make into a great nation. I'm gonna, you're going to be a blessing. And then I'm going to bless those who bless you. That's God's checklist against Abraham's, right? And that's God's checklist against ours, too. 
the very things that God said to Abraham contradict what Abraham had always known. They contradict what would have been of Abraham's legacy and life. There's no way that he would have looked at his life, Abraham, and said to himself, this is going to be something. There's no way. And I believe that we get caught up in that same sense. We look at the things that we check off in our lives and we think the same way. I don't know about you guys, but I've been through stuff where it should have been disqualified from the very beginning. I, say, I, I share this because I know that, that I've learned throughout the, as I've grown in Christ, I've known that there's things that statistically I should have been. Single mom, well, my mom was a single mom, raising me on her own to stick to show that, that women who don't have men in their lives as a father figure will go off to be things that aren't so great. But then I look at God's checklist. And he says to me that I am victorious and that he is my father and that he loves me in spite of all that. And he's taken care of me since before I was born. He knitted me together. And I'm here to share with you that that same principle goes for you. The same exact thing that, th that this world thinks it can disqualify you because you're checking off a box as single or divorced or separated. And God is saying, hey, don't worry about any of those things because I got you. I got you right here. Don't worry about what those things say. I've created you. I've made you. I've been the one to hold you and sustain you and be with you and love you. Even when you couldn't see. It's interesting. It's so interesting. I, I, as I read their story, I was like, man, Lord, I said, these things could have just disqualified. Just disqualified. You know, our limited human capacity will begin to look, when we begin to look at our own checklists, our experiences, our hurt, our anger, our frustration, and we make the decision based on a review of those things that can and have changed us and defined us. We categorize ourselves in those little boxes, too. Our own checklist would disqualify us in a heartbeat. Their own checklist, if they would have been disobedient to the Lord, would have disqualified them. Then I said, Lord, all right, that's a good story. I love that, right? It spoke to me, I'm good. But show me somebody else. And then we moved on to Moses. And in Exodus 2, during the time that Moses was born, it was crazy, chaotic, right? The king at that time wanted to kill every male. And this is his mother. He says, the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that, was, that he was special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to, the, to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The, boy, the little boy was crying. She felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then, Sorry. 
Then the baby's, the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked, yes, do. The princess replied, so the girl went and called the baby's mother. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Talking about disqualification. Born in a time where the person who ran the country wanted you dead. Born in a time where, out of desperation, a mother puts a three-month-old into a basket that she made. I am not creative. I'm telling you right now that my child would have probably learned to swim at three months of age. There was no way that I was going to make that happen. No way. But then I started thinking about Moses' checklist, right? As he starts to review his life. He was born in a time where his people were slaves. They were slaves in Egypt, right? They made them slaves. The Pharaoh at the time made them slaves because he was so concerned about their multiplication. He was placed in the river, and the king's edit was that we're going to kill all of them because we can't have them keep multiplying. He was born in the day where murder, literally murder followed him. The king was fearful. Moses was another person where a thousand scenarios could have been planned out for him. I mean, worst case scenario, he could have died. I don't know about you, but some things feel that way too. They feel like as you're looking on your checkbox list of life, that you're going to die. There's times in our lives where we feel like we don't see the out of where we're in. Where the water, the river, can overtake us as well. And for most of us, sure, we learn how to swim in those things. But we're, not, we're, but we're just surviving above the water. God was not surprised at what was happening here. But then I can see God sitting on his throne and rolling out his own checklist. And as he looked at Moses and said this, okay, placed in a river, but guess what? He got to the king's house. Placed in a river, got to the king's house, and then he was nursed by his own mother. He became a part of the kingdom, right? Because the Bible says that mom, after she nursed him, gave him back to Pharaoh's daughter. And check this out. And then he became part of the kingdom that was trying to destroy him. The very kingdom that was trying to destroy him, he became a part of. And then he looked at Moses and said, and guess what? You're going to lead my people out of Egypt. That's God's review. The very kingdom that you think was built to destroy you, God is saying, hey, I'm going to use that and you're going to help me set the other captives free. That's exactly what happened with Moses. 
he should have been disqualified. He could have been killed, whether he would have been murdered, whether he would have drowned, but he, but he could have been disqualified. And God said, no, 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 wait. I'm going to use this very thing because I'm going to tell you that you're going to be placed at such a time as this because you're going to lead my people from one place to another and they're going to glorify me and they're going to raise me up and they're going to lift me up and they're going to live with me. And that's exactly what he calls all of us to do. Moses is the perf almost one of those things where I look at the situations and I'm like, my God, where would our lives be? Because those things that affect us, those little boxes that people try to place us in, are not greater than what God has done. And I want us to understand that it is not greater than what God has done. And God continues to do. Because everywhere we go, anytime you walk into any place, the first thing they do is hand you something and say, hey, just check this off of me so I can dictate to you what you're going to be and what you're going to do and what you can do and what you can't do, right? It's the first thing. It's the same thing with Jeremiah's doctor when he said, hey, lactose intolerance starts at this age for children of Latinos. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, uh-huh. And the importance there is that we shouldn't, let me say this, I am not saying that we shouldn't listen to doctors. I'm not saying that. I believe doctors are a gift from God. I believe their intellect is a gift from God. I believe that, you know, that, they, that I, I actually believe that they're probably one of the, um, almost like a manifested mercy that we see from God, right? Because we can go to doctors, we can, they can tell us what's wrong. They can, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that no matter what the doctor said, the purpose will still manifest. That's what I'm saying. So that little box that might be checked off as whatever it is, that purpose will still manifest in our lives because God has done and he continues to do. Amen? And then of course I... I I started looking at my last person, and that was Jesus. And I smile because we know, right now standing here in 2020, but back then they didn't know. And sometimes we're not the only ones checking us off. We have people who also check us off and people who also make ideas or things in their brains of what we are. And the Lord brought me to Jesus and I said, all right. I said, this is gonna be good, Lord. Yes, I love Jesus. So one of the first things that I noticed about Jesus, and we've gone through this over before, but when Jesus, when, they, when he started calling disciples, one of the disciples said, hey, come and see, because I think I found the Messiah. And the first thing that came out of their mouths was, that guy? The guy who came from Nazareth? That guy? Are you sure? First, John says this. He says, Philip went and found Nathaniel and told him, we found the one Moses wrote in the law, the one preached by the prophets. It's Jesus, Joseph's son, the one from Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, Nazareth? This is the message. He goes, you've got to be kidding me. I said, oh, that's so, that's so funny. And then I started thinking, I'm like, how many of us, somebody sees somebody doing something 
for God. And you have those people around you who say, who? Jessica from, Jessica from over there? Jessica from that neighborhood? Jessica who used to do A, B, C, and D. Woof, she was, and the church didn't fall when she walked in there. And now she's doing this? She's the one who, that one, are you sure? Are you sure? And it's almost like, you've got to be kidding me. There's no way that that person, there's no way that, that Yvette or Sheila or Felicia, there's no way, there's no way. Do you know, do you know what, you know, do you know where they're from? That doesn't even matter. It, no, you're crazy. And Jesus went through the same thing because Nazareth was a small town, like a little dot on the map. And he came from that place. And then not only that, he goes, it's Jesus, Joseph's son. Oh. Poor Joseph. <laughs> Jesus, Joseph's son. And how many of us are reviewed by who our parents are? How many of us are reviewed? Oh, well, you know, his father was like that. Oh, you know, her mother was like that. Oh, you know, her grandmother, her sister, that whole family, that's, that lineage right there, I don't know. I think they're cursed. I think they do whatever they want. I think that, I, I, just, I just don't know about them. Guys, disclaimer, my father is a rolling stone. There's seven of us by six different women. And I love my dad. I love my dad. The Bible calls me to honor him. I honor him. I actually look at my dad and I'm like, wow, Pa, you need to know Jesus. And I say that he can change your life. But I could have been. My, actually, my grandfather one time said, I was the least one that my father was in the life for. My mom kind of just skated with me and she disappeared. So when I met my grandfather, I was 12 years old. I met my father at 12, I met my grandfather at 12. And my grandfather used to say to me, I always used to tell your father, he needs to like, you know, go see you because of A, B, C, and D. Because they expected me to be A, B, C, and D because my father wasn't there. And all I can say is that, that but God, who took care of me and stayed with me and nurtured me, right? And I think about people looking at people and I'm like, and they just looked at Jesus as ordinary Joe. He's the carpenter's son from a, no, from a nowhere place. And they had already minimized his potential. They had already minimized Jesus' potential. I know we look here, we're like, ooh, minimize Jesus' potential. But at the time, that's what it is. That's what it was. And there's times in our lives too that people minimize our potential. Because we're ordinary Joes, so to speak. Because we come from a place. Because our parents are who? Because our parents are, because our families are what? Because of the decisions that we've made. There's people in our lives who have, who minimize us as the ordinary Joe. But we know the story here. We know the story here. God rolls out the checklist for his son. And God says this. 
my chosen son. Joseph is your father, your earthly father, but you are my chosen son. Mark 1:11 says this, and the voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. I'm here to tell you today that no matter what your checklist may look like in your life, that you are God's chosen. You are God's chosen. He chose you. He chose you. Your potential is limitless because he chose you. He said, he looked at Jesus and said, you are the sa he goes, you're going to be the savior of the world. First John says, and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. He made the captives free. Luke 4, 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And then he says, and while you're thinking that he's just the ordinary Joe, let me just stamp it a little further. In Colossians, he says this, he goes, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world, everything was created through him and for him. Each and every one of you were created through him and for him. Your life, your check boxes in your life do not disqualify you because of what God has done. Because he, when any time that, think about this, I, I want you to visualize this because I visualize it for myself. Anytime somebody rolls out a questionnaire, anytime somebody rolls out what you've done in your life, what has happened to your life, I want you to stand there and roll out what God has done. I want you to roll out what God has done. No matter what, no matter what, I want you to roll it out. And it might not seem, it may seem difficult. We check off a whole bunch of boxes. We check off hurt. We check off pain. We check off loneliness. We check off not being good enough. We check off that we won't amount to anything. We check all these things off. And I'm here to tell you today that yes, we might check those off and they might be for a moment, but I want you to know that when God says, when God says to look at these check boxes, to look at this position, to look at it from the top, you are more than what you can think and what anybody else thinks of you. You are more. You are more. As the worship team comes up, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm just excited. I, I, you know, somebody was to look at you and 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 say these things, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you through something real quick, and it says, it says, this is me. I'm talking about me. This is me, Alma's daughter. My mother's name is Alma. She just turned 60. Hey. Yvette's, Yvette's sister. Wife to John. The handsome sound man back there. And this is the way your life is going to go. Just based on those three things. This is Jenny. She's not here. She's the children's director. She's Ugo's daughter. Sister to Rudy and Myra. Wife and mother. And this is the way her life is supposed to go. We are much deeper than those things that try to define us. Those little check boxes that we check off in our heads that show us what path we think we should be on or others should think we'd be on. Through Jesus, 
we see those experiences not as the end of us. Those little boxes in life no longer can define us, no longer torment us, no longer dictate how to talk, act, or speak. Through Christ alone, we can see all things we're that we are destined for in this life. Through his grace, through his mercy, his life, we are made anew. I want to share some verses with you because I think that universally we've all gone through stuff. So we check off the box of fear and loneliness. Deuteronomy 31, 6, this is God's checklist. It says, be strong, take courage, do not be intimidated, don't give them a second thought. Because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't leave you. He, he, he won't let you down. He won't leave you. You feeling fear and loneliness? Take out God's checklist. You're not good enough? Check out God's checklist. Romans 8, 31, 39 says this. So do you think, this is the message version, with God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And when you dare tangle with God, and when you dare tangle with God, so you're telling that thought right now, when you dare entangle with my God, messing with one of God's chosen, who dare even to point a finger, the one who died for us, who, raised up, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. There's no way. You check off in that little mind of yours. There is no way. There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying, not threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst of sins. Not even the worst of sins. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing, living or dead, angelic or dynamic, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable, unthinkable, absolutely nothing can come between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, Jesus our master has embraced us. God's final checklist in our lives, we must come to terms we must come to terms. This is the place from where we live. Remember Ephesians? This is the place from where we live. The heavenly realm. In Christ. This is the place where we live from. This is the place where we check off our boxes from. He says, but the lives that God has destined for us since the beginning of time, it's time to stand up and say, check mate. Check mate. You have no hold. Nothing has a hold on you because your God has, has come for you. You have nothing, nothing. It is time to stand up this year. Do not let this year go by and go from the next year. You stand up and you say, checkmate, checkmate, checkmate. And let me tell you something else. 
oh wait a minute let me show you what God told me the day of Calvary when others counted off the box he's dead now They checked off the box in their brain. Oh, he's gone now. We're done. But God said, three days later, it was resurrected. He was resurrected. He was resurrected. God's final, final sin to humanity was, hey, I love them. I did this for them. And he said, check, mate. Check, mate. We're done. We're done. The heavenly realm. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.